Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Each week, I invite you to join me as we dive into Scripture to find ways that we can live faithfully and meaningfully in our complicated and troubled world. Although I come from a Christian perspective, I hope that what I have to say will be meaningful for Christians, Jews, Muslims, and any other faith tradition. You may even find something of value here if you don't ascribe to any religion. Did you ever stop to think what your faith is really about or what it demands of you? Even if you are a devout, long-time Christian, your answer to that question might vary from mine or from the person sitting next to you at work. We're not aware of our differences, though, because we seldom think about our faith, let alone talk about it. In general, for some, faith is primarily about their relationship with God, while for others, faith centers on how they treat other people. Believers for whom their relationship with God is of utmost importance focus their faith lives on worship, prayer, and reading and trying to understand the Bible. They may spend most of their time of faith at church or in Bible study groups. Believers who prioritize their treatment of other people may spend their time reading about social justice issues and talking about it and are more likely to spend their time at a civil rights rally or serving food in a homeless shelter than they are sitting in a pew at church. Now, I'm not implying that the two are mutually exclusive. They aren't. But most people tend to find one aspect more central to their faith than others. Jesus himself recognized bipolar nature of faith. When he asked what the greatest commandment was, he said, love your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. See, that's the God focus. But he went on to say, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the social component. One convenient way of thinking about the two dimensions of faith is to picture a cross. The vertical post on the cross points heavenward and represents our relationship with God. Cross beam upon which Christ's arms were stretched point outward to the world and represent our relationship with other people. Both dimensions are important. In ancient Israel, there was a similar dynamic at play in the religious life of people, and religion permeated their lives. Throughout the Old Testament, the existence of the temple and the ritual life that took place there played a major role. The Hebrew scriptures detail at length the ritual requirement of Jews. The entire book of Leviticus is filled with such rules. Worship life centered around observance of the Sabbath. In Deuteronomy, we read, Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave, or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock, or the resident alien in your towns, so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, 
And the Lord your God brought you out from slavery with a mighty and outstretched hand. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you, keep the Sabbath day. At the same time, though, particularly in prophetic books, the scriptures of Israel call for the people for social justice and to care for the poor and the dispossessed. According to the prophets, when Israel neglected justice, God's wrath and punishment ensued. Prophet Micah puts it succinctly. He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Israel has always led a precarious existence, surrounded by a parade of world powers bent on expanding their empires. In the 700s BCE, the kingdom that was threatening Israel was Assyria. As the war clouds gathered to the east, a former farmer turned prophet named Amos brought a message of warning to Israel. The following was the heart of Amos' message. Alas for you who desire the day of the Lord. Why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light, as if someone fled from a lion and was met by a bear, or went into the house and rested a hand against the wall and was bitten by a snake. Is not the day of the Lord darkness, not light? and gloom with no brightness in it? I hate. I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Here ends the reading. Amos is speaking to Israel about the day of the Lord, which was to be a day of judgment when God would come to finally straighten out the world. Evidently, in this troubled time with the Assyrians breathing down their necks, the religious people were looking forward to that day when God would come to rescue them from their enemies. But Amos says, not so fast. Be careful what you wish for. The day of the Lord is going to be a dark day for you. Amos clearly announces God's concern for justice. Properly observing worship practices, festivals, and sacrifices had little meaning if the people did not treat each other with justice and righteousness. Even though the people of the northern kingdom of Israel lived in a time that was relatively peaceful and prosperous, they used their wealth for personal comforts, not to help others. Unfair business practices and oppressive taxes that squeezed the poor were common. Poverty and landlessness were conditions that never should have come to exist in ancient Israel and Judah. The land, a visible sign of God's presence and promise, was a trust from God for the sake of all Israel and Judah. Laws and customs described in Leviticus and Deuteronomy prohibited the accumulation of land and goods in ways that would impoverish 
a fellow descendant of Abraham and Sarah. Regular land redistribution was a part of the ideal religious landscape. The message of Amos is to challenge people and nations caught up in the pursuit of material wealth and comfort. Societies driven by consumerism can lose sight of faithful stewardship of wealth and just distribution of goods and opportunity. Amos reminded the people that true faithfulness is trusting in God alone and treating the neighbor with justice. Let me be clear about one thing. I'm not citing this prophetic passage as a direct comment upon Israel's conflict with Hamas and their response to the horrific attacks of October 7th. The greatest value of the prophets is their universal application. They do speak to Jews, ancient and modern, but they also speak to people of any race or religion who are willing to listen. Amos mentions two words in talking about how we can survive and even look forward to the dark day of God's reckoning, justice and righteousness. Martin Luther King Jr. quoted Amos' line in his famous I Have a Dream speech. He said, We cannot be satisfied as long as a Negro in Mississippi cannot vote and a Negro in New York believes he has nothing for which to vote. No, no, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. King was speaking in the context of racial justice and moral righteousness in American society, which would lead to the establishment of justice. But he could just as well have been referring to any aspect of society. Terms justice and righteousness are related, related, but they have distinct meanings. Justice refers to the fair and impartial treatment of individuals based on the law. It's the concept of right and wrong and the application of consequences for actions that go against the law. Justice is concerned with the application of the law, ensuring fairness, equality, and maintaining order in society. There are two types of justice, distributive and retributive. Now, don't let those words throw you. Distributive justice involves the fair distribution of resources. That was a big concern of the prophet Amos. The religious elites used the authority of God to impose unfair taxes on the powerless masses disguised as a system of temple sacrifice. It was also the main concern of Martin Luther King Jr. He saw that African Americans were not getting their fair share of the pie. African Americans' level of education, economic opportunity, and income lagged far behind that of white Americans. The goal of the civil rights movement became to move toward a time of greater equality. Now, retributive justice, the other kind of justice, was also a feature of Judaism's culture. Retributive justice focuses on punishment for wrongdoing. Unlike in our society, where retributive justice is a function of the civil authorities through courts and the penal system, the justice code of ancient Israel was written into scripture. We're most familiar with the example of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. 
retributive justice would be abused when it was used to exert power over others. So Amos was looking forward to the day when justice would be restored among all the classes of the people of Israel, not just the religious elite. That was God's will. But Amos didn't just call for restoration of justice. He also called for righteousness. Righteousness is the quality of being morally right or justifiable. It involves adhering to a set of moral principles and values that guide one's actions. Righteousness goes beyond justice and the law and is often associated with religious or spiritual beliefs. It involves living a moral and ethical life, doing what is right and just, and possessing honesty, fairness, and compassion in our actions. In summary, Justice is concerned with fairness and equality in the treatment of individuals, while righteousness involves living a moral and ethical life. Although related, they are not interchangeable, and when righteousness prevails, people are driven to seek justice as well. Jesus told his disciples about a parable about waiting for that day of the Lord, which will usher in the kingdom of heaven. He said, The kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. The wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout. Look! Here's the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. The wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You'd better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went out to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came along also, saying, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know neither the day nor the hour of the Lord's coming. Here ends the reading. This, then, is our challenge. To keep awake. Be prepared. And it may be a long wait. We do not sit back smugly, waiting for the day of the Lord, assuming our salvation. We actively participate in the coming of that day. We are the ones who are responsible for making justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. In our own lives and according to our own abilities, we work to see that everyone has the opportunity to fully participate and enjoy the benefits of our society. We can work to maintain the freedoms that were purchased for us by the blood of our ancestors. And we live morally and ethically in all things that we do. We love God with heart, soul, and mind. And we love our neighbors as ourselves.
then we can truly celebrate the day of the coming of the Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. May God bless and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.